Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. ML Sports Platter brought to you by CH Insurance, Welch and Company Jewelers, and Bonnet Sales and Service. If you're in and around central New York, hey, when your garage door fails, call Bonnet Sales and Service. Get them at bonnetsalesandservice.com. A free estimate awaits you. Personal commercial garage doors, when you get them on, it changes the look of your workplace and your home. Bonnet Sales and Service is the official garage door company of the ML Sports Platter. And a tip of the cap thank you as well to friends of the program, the Swan and Whitaker families, as well as Camilla's Golf Club and the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Well, my next guest is one of my favorite people. I used to get him on literally all the time on radio, a couple times on the podcast since I went out on my own and ran this whole ML Sports Platter thing. But he's a former coach the Unconquered Pod host, and of course a football analyst for Inside Carolina. He's also an author, and we can uh, plug his book as well at the end of this thing. But he's covered Florida State for a long time now, kind of in the more of the day-to-day to North Carolina, but really covering all of the ACC as well on the football scene. And uh, you can get him on Twitter, at Doc Staples. That's at Doc, D-O-C, Staples, just like it sounds. It's Jason Staples, one of my favorite people. Jay, thank you so much for coming on, chatting a little Florida State snub, some college football playoff action, and a heck of a lot more. I know you're fired up, and I really appreciate you uh, not only jumping on here, but sharing one of my uh, live videos on Twitter that's been kind of going bananas with the Seminole fan base, my brother. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of folks are uh, are ready to retweet just about anything along those lines right now. So, uh, yeah, I'm um, doing pretty well myself, uh, though I do feel pretty bad for uh, – for a group of guys that uh, that worked awfully hard this year to uh, to get some stuff taken away from them. So there's so many different ways we can go to start this thing, but I guess I just want to give you the floor on Florida State is out and what bothers you the most, why they're out. Is it is it the politics, the branding, the money, which is crazy because the big brand money thing. I mean, Florida State gets as, I mean, God, it's as big as it is in college football. Is it, you know, well, they win ugly. Is it that their resume actually is better than Michigan's? Is it that it's better than Texas's? Is it that Alabama got in and because they're in Texas got in? Is it, what 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 bothers you the most about them being out? And, and maybe it's more than one thing. I don't know. So have at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the thing that bothers me the most is, the whole reason that the playoff at least ostensibly was introduced was to prevent a situation where you had a, a legitimate contender, a power five champion, like say uh, the Auburn team from 2004 that goes undefeated and doesn't have a chance to actually play and prove it on the field. So the entire rationale for the playoff, if you remember was well in the BCS it's always one versus two and sometimes there's a third team that really you know 2004 Auburn deserves a shot and we don't we'll never know whether that 2004 Auburn team was really the best team in the country because nobody beat them 
They played, you know, they won every game they played against against quality competition over the, over the course of the season for the most part. And it didn't matter because there are a couple other teams that went over them. So what do you do? You expand the playoffs so that it can be won and lost and proven on the field. That's at least that was the rhetoric for it, right? That was the the ostensible reason for the playoff ex- expanding the four to begin with. And then something like this happens where you've got a team that's undefeated that beats, that has actually the most wins over bowl eligible competition of any team in the country that has a dominating win over, you know, one of the best, one of the best teams in the SEC based on power ratings, the third best team in the SEC and, and, and LSU and, very close to Bama in terms of power rating, uh, you know, dominated them, beats their rival on their on their home field. Another team, for, again, from the SEC, not the best team from the SEC, certainly in Florida, but a team that actually, you know, was a, a couple boneheaded mistakes down in, in the uh, final minute against Mizzou, was two points away from beating Mizzou a week earlier. And that's, you know, number nine Mizzou. And I don't think, you know, Missouri's a top 10 team in terms of power. And, you know, if I'm power rating teams, they don't belong there. But that Florida team very nearly beat them. And then they got dominated on their home field by Florida State. And then you get this team that's undefeated. They win their conference. They've, they've done everything necessary. And then you put in an Alabama team with a 10-point home loss. And a Texas team that has a that has no better strength of schedule and has not been any more impressive than you on the year, and in fact has it has been less impressive, had you know quite a few close calls on the season, and you put those teams in despite the fact that they've already lost on the field. And and then the other thing that bothers me about this is if you are going to include Texas, say, okay, I don't actually think Texas overall resume was as strong as Alabama's. But they did have the head-to-head on the field, and so if we're talking about a playoff, we already know what happened when those two teams played. So yeah. it's easy to rule one out, right? The whole point is let it be settled on the field. Well, that one was settled on the field. Well, okay, well, maybe it'll be different on a neutral site. Well, but that was on their home field. right? So you've already got all of those ingredients ready. And again, the whole point was to let a team win it on the field, let the games determine who the champion is, and instead, you have 13 unaccountable people just decide, yeah, I mean, honestly, I just I don't think that team's as good as that team. And you go, well, what's the basis of it? Well, I mean, their offensive output kind of looked ugly the last couple of weeks. Really? Like, that's what you're going to measure that on? Like, that, all of a sudden, you have a completely subjective measure that is exactly what the playoff was supposed to eliminate. And instead, they doubled down on it. And that's the part that that probably bothers me the most. I mean, you can get into all the other stuff about, you know, I do think that this whole thing was largely due to the SEC's branding and the SEC's reputation and this idea that, you know, was put forward even before Jordan Travis got hurt. You you, you saw a, a variety of ESPN personalities going on air talking about how, you know, if it comes down to Alabama beating Georgia in the SEC title game, then they're gonna they, they should go over Florida State because you can't have the you can't not have the SEC champion in a, in a, in a college football playoff. That logic is is frustrating, especially in a year where the SEC wasn't especially good. But 
the the rest of it, the other part of it, where you know the whole thing was to be able to let the games matter and let the, let things be settled on the field, and going explicitly against the rationale for for the playoff in the first place. That's the part that bothers me the most. See, I have always looked at Alabama a, a little bit differently. I, I have no horse in an SEC race whatsoever, but I, I look at their schedule and I I know I, I'm with you. I think the SEC this year was down. Um, I do know what they did out of the conference. I, I get that. It was not as good as previous years, but they beat Ole Miss. They beat LSU. They beat Tennessee and they beat two time defending champ Georgia. Nobody's done that in a couple of years. To me, I don't have an issue with Alabama being in. I understand the, 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 the prerequisite. I understand what those ESPN talking heads said. I understand there is SEC bias, Saban, the money, the brand, the buck. I get all that. I have less of a problem with Alabama than I do even Texas. Because even though Texas beat Alabama, it's still one game. And Texas still lost one game. And last I checked, Florida State didn't. Florida State is completely undefeated. And when's the last time we said to the Chiefs, if you lose in week six, well, eh, 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 you can't get home field and win a Super Bowl. When's the last time we told the 90s Yankees, well, you know, you won a you know, 100 plus games, eh, but you can't play for the World Series because you lost three out of four to the Royals in June. You know, we don't do that. When's the last time we took Roger Federer out of the GOAT conversation just because of his one to, you know, one-on-one matchup and his head-to-head against Nadal or the Joker? We, we, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's one game. And, and so they win that game. Cool. But they didn't stay the part being undefeated. That part drives me nuts. I have more of a problem with the Texas resume and in, in the Twitter uh, thing, as I alluded to with Michigan. And I have a problem, uh, Jason, with the assumption factor. Well, you're assuming that Florida State's going to get killed. Well, their second string quarterback isn't that bad. You can't assume that. Tulane FSMU, Bama, Georgia, Oregon, Washington. What happened in those games with the underdog? Those things also add layers to the ridiculousness that Florida State doesn't belong. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, if we're talking about getting blown out, I w- if there's a team out there that's going to score a bunch of points against that Florida State team, I've not seen it this year. <laughs> Good luck. Yes, yes. Right? I mean, yeah. to blow a team out, you have to score a lot of points. Yeah, well, Jason. And and LS- LSU yes. was the best yes. offense in the country by far by this far. season. Yes, yes. And also I mean, Louisville. Close. Louisville, they predicted that high-octane, smart, offensive-minded uh, at Louisville staff to score at least 20 to 30 on Florida State. I didn't see that. And by the way, Florida State's also a team that's not allowed to win ugly, right? That's another one. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> what I said when, you know, it's unreal. right after the, the Louisville game, this was before the, the, the decision was made by the committee, Yep. is... As for all I could tell, Jordan Travis got hurt, and Florida State basically turned into what everybody thought Michigan was. Right. Right? A team that, you know, runs the football, kind of wins ugly, but you can't move the football against them. They win up front, and, you know, you get to the end of the game, and you've scored six points, and they've managed to scrape out a few good drives, and, and that's that. And they just choke you out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is, they they – the other thing is that they load managed on that defense all season. I mean, you talk about, oh, well, you know, they didn't beat everybody by 100. Right, but they played almost 30 players per game on defense over the course of the season. And then in the last two games, once Travis got hurt and they knew that they needed to really have elite-level defensive performances, they tightened up that rotation a little bit. And a couple of the guys that, you know, were a little bit weaker in their depth chart that – you know, some guys are third on the depth chart or whatever, and they were still playing a lot. They tightened that up, and all of a sudden, they just choked those teams out. I mean, Florida scored points against uh, against Mizzou. 
Florida scored points against a lot of teams this year, and they couldn't move the football at all against Florida State. Yeah. And that was the first time in five years that a Jeff Brom offense has not has not gone over 200 yards and not scored a, scored a touchdown. I mean, it's just absurd what they were able to do in those last two weeks. They 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 looked like the best off or the best defense in the country the last two weeks, and nobody is blowing that defense out. I'm not sure whether or not they would beat Michigan. I'm not sure whether they would beat Alabama. I'm not sure whether they'd beat Texas or Washington. But what I'm very confident of is that none of those teams is scoring 40 points on that Florida State defense, and I think all of them are going to struggle to get to 20. I mean, again, LSU had the best offense in the country, and it's not like their offense got better over the course of the season. I've seen people say, well, you know, Florida State got them in week one, and, you know, they improved over the course of the season. No, they didn't. Florida State held them to 17 points up to a minute remaining in that game and then put their third stringers on the field, and, and LSU promptly scored on a 70-plus yard play <laughs> because they got a really good defense or really good offense, and yeah. when you're put, playing your third string, they're probably going to score. But they gave up 17 points before that total garbage time touchdown to LSU. The next week, Daniels had six touchdowns. <laughs> Right. This is not a situation where LSU yeah. just got better and Florida State didn't play a better version of LSU. No, Florida State played the best version of LSU. They just were that good on defense. And and the other thing is LSU's defense lost five defensive backs to injury and their best defensive lineman before they played Alabama. So Florida State played an LSU team that had a completely different defense that had all its players. So, you know, that part is is neglected. But like you, I actually don't have really an objection to Alabama being in. Yeah, I just have an objection to two one-loss teams being elevated over what I think at the end of the year was the best defense in the country and an undefeated team that didn't get the opportunity to, to demonstrate that they didn't belong. And again, this whole thing of, well, you don't want another, another TCU. Well, if you don't want another TCU, then don't put Michigan in because TCU beat Michigan. Right. And, and Michigan, by the way, got blown out by Georgia, just like TCU did the, the year prior. So if anybody maybe doesn't belong, it's Michigan, as you said. And you think about it, like, let's think about the offensive rankings of the teams that, that Michigan has played this year. Oh, oh, oh. right. Yeah. ECU, 127th. UNLV, 48th or 46th. I'm sorry. My eyes aren't what they used to be. Uh, Bowling Green, 103. Rutgers, 120. Nebraska, 116. Minnesota, 122. Indiana, 99. Michigan State, 125. Purdue, 67. Penn State, 59. Maryland, 57. Ohio State, finally the first team in the top 40 in offense when they played Ohio State. And then Iowa at 130 out of 133 teams. (laughs) So, you know, as good as Michigan's defense has been, they didn't play in LSU. They didn't play even a Miami or, or, or a Florida or uh, even a Duke or, you know, a number of or Clemson, a number of these teams that weren't great offenses, although LSU was. But, you know, when Florida State's putting up or a Louisville, I mean, Louisville was a better offense than any team that Michigan played all season. All right. The final thing I have for you is this. Um, I, people now, you know, look, chaos arrived early. I never had a problem with the four-team playoff because normally it was two teams and everybody else or three teams and everybody else, and I don't want to see 
you know, I mean, people say the blowout possibility now. I mean, give me a break. Before it was probably worse with the, the you know all the fourth team getting or the eighth team, ninth team. It's like, why do you want a playoff to get crushed by Clemson or Bama or Ohio State or whoever or Jamison and Jimbo and Florida State ten years ago? Um, now it's, oh, well, the playoffs going to solve all this. No, it's not, because it hasn't solved it in March Madness. You go from 32 to 64 to 68. Now we have the play-in games, and now 69 through 75 argue. And and now it's going to be 13 through 18 are going to argue to be 6 through 11 or 12 in the college football playoff. It, it's never going to stop the arguments. It, it, it just isn't. The problem is the Florida State got left out because of pure idiocy. If you didn't have pure idiocy, you wouldn't have any of these problems. So it leads me to this, though. With Florida State, and final question, out of this thing, with the ACC being the way it is, conference expansion, NIL, Florida State earlier in the year wanting more money, transfer portal, all these different things happening, what does it mean for the future of college football in terms of Florida State, ACC, right, and all this, because the ACC earlier this year said, we're, I, th- I think I have this correct, like we're good with expansion, right, or, or the year before, we can wait on it, well, if Florida State gets in with the expansion, so I guess that kind of screws them out of it. I don't blame them, but that's just how it happened. I think you know what I'm asking, though. I mean, there's danger here, right, that maybe sooner rather than later because of the way Florida State was left out and the way people are treating them, that maybe the ACC is doomed sooner than later? Well, I don't think it... Honestly, I don't think it really makes a difference in terms of sooner than later because Florida State was already dead set on leaving the ACC before any of this happened. Now, this has just made the frenzied dog angrier, <laughs> right? They're, yeah. you know, they're, they're all, the more, all the more resolved to do what they were already doing, but they're already, like, if Florida State could have been out of the ACC this year, they would have done it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just a fact. They, they want out, and they're doing everything possible to get out. Right. But, you know, the grant of rights is a significant legal hurdle and they're doing everything they can to build a war chest and be able to and to try to get themselves in position so that they don't have to uh, to stay in the ACC. And, you know, when the time comes that they feel that they have sufficiently built that war chest, they're going to they're going to make that change. Then they're going to go. It's just a matter of of feeling that they have a sufficient, uh, you know, it's a risk and feeling that they are sufficiently insulated against the risk of leaving. That's going to be the part that, that, that comes in. But, you know, I would be, I would be shocked if five years from now, Florida state is still in the ACC. And honestly, I'd be kind of surprised if three years from now, FSU is still in the ACC. And if FSU leaves, I do think there are going to be other programs that will follow. And, you know, this is going to change quite a bit. And then you add to that the, the, the president of the, uh, uh, the new president of the NCAA proposing a sort of break-off division. Uh, and he set the kind of arbitrary $100 million revenue or $100 million spending, I guess, or revenue, when I don't remember which it was, uh, as a sort of threshold for the kind of programs that would want to be in that upper division where, you know, essentially they'd have trust funds set up for, or trusts set up for players to pay them uh, based on a variety of different things and, and coming out of actual NCAA or institutional money. Uh, so when you saw that, all this is, is very quickly in motion to where, you know, 
the conference situation, some of that's going to change because, I mean, Indiana falls below that threshold. Wake Forest, do you think Wake Forest is really going to want to participate in that level of uh, of college sports in that breakoff division to pay, you know, thirty or forty thousand dollars plus was you know one of the proposed measures into a trust per year per player? I mean, is Wake Forest going to do that? I mean, is Syracuse going to do that? Those are the those are the real questions and. With that being put on the table by the NCAA themselves, you just have to think that you know they're you know Boston College is not going to play that game. Mm-hmm. Like they're just they're not going to play that brand of football. They'll they'll go down to the Patriot League before they do that. Sure. So, sure. you know, this is. I think we are going to see. We've seen a lot of conference expansion so far, and it's mostly been poaching big brand programs from. Uh, from one another, and sorry, there's an ambulance coming behind me that you're probably hearing here. But um, uh, but you get the big brand pro- programs being kind of poached into from one into another uh, into another conference. I think what we're seeing next is going to be actually you'll, you'll see a little bit more of that. You'll see Florida State and UNC and and Clemson and a couple others uh, try to get out of the AC out of the ACC. But I think we're going to also see contraction here pretty soon where you know, the, the biggest brands, the big programs are going to kind of try to create sort of an NFL, uh, NFL light and do their own thing and divide the pie a little bit differently. And I think that's sad for college sports, which have always to me been about the rivalries and the regional aspect of this. Uh, but I, I do think that's what's coming next. Well, he's amazing covering uh, college football, the ACC, you name it, a uh, bunch of Florida State uh, on the day-to-day, and, and you can get him uh, inside Carolina. And, of course, the Unconquered podcast. Go subscribe to that uh, as well. Jay, I've heard some of the episodes are amazing, but i got to subscribe. i got to hit that subscribe button, and I will do that right when we get done. Why don't you just take 30 seconds here in closing and plug anything else that you want to plug? Because I know you're a big-shot author now, too, huh? Yeah, I just did have a book come out, so uh, glad to have that out. It's uh, with Cambridge University Press, Paul and the Resurrection of Israel. Uh, spent 20 years on that book, so I'm happy wow. to have that finally out. Uh, but uh, beyond that, like you said, it's it's uh, you know I, I do work for Inside Carolina. You can always check out my X's and O's stuff there, and then uh, Unconquered uh, YouTube channel, and also uh, also podcast stuff. So really been trying to build all that out, but. Uh, I will say that this kind of decision has made me just a little bit less excited about uh, college sports because it's kind of that look behind the curtain that, well, yeah, it really isn't about what's on the field. And that's always the part that I've liked the most. I've never really been interested by the, you know, all the business dealings and stuff. And, and this stuff just puts all that stuff front and center once again, which is, you know, another part of the shame of it. So well said. Jason Staples on Twitter, at Doc Staples, unconqueredpodcast.com. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you, bud. Really appreciate it. Always good to talk to you. Hi, this is Joe Convertino Jr. of CH Insurance. Let's appreciate this holiday season for what it truly is. The chance to count our blessings, honor traditions, and appreciate the spirit and joy of the season. We're so proud of our CH team and how we pulled together this year for our clients, carrier partners, and many community relationships. So, from our family to yours, we wish you good health, happiness, and a prosperous new year. CH Insurance is in your corner. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V 
on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.